0: This is March 10th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinofsky, and today I had a pretty jam-packed show full of stuff. A lot of intensity on the ice, a lot of intensity off the ice. Uh, and I had on my good friend Mike Petralia of CLNS Media to discuss all of it. Uh, the intensity on the ice being the Bruins and the Lightning. We're going to see it. Hopefully, this spring, um, and off the ice, we'll get to you later in the episode. It has something to do with that pesky coronavirus that just keeps on digging itself into everything. Um, so, you can look forward to all of that and more in just a bit. First, March has arrived, and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, it's that tournament. Make sure to head to bet online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 bracket March Madness contest starting March 15th. Again, you heard me correctly, $100,000, and it's on March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action, and with multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. Also, the other funny thing about March Madness is I'm not an expert on college basketball at all. But my brackets always do pretty well, and it's kind of just random. I mean, my mom makes a bracket. She's not into March Madness at all. And honestly, she does better than I do a lot of the time. So a lot of it's just luck, random, and you have a bunch of chances and a bunch of entries here. So why the hell not to jump in on a potential $100,000? And also, don't forget, the NBA and XFL are still going strong, as well as the NHL. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business, baby. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% sign up bonus. Again, go to betonline.ag, and get this and use the code CLNS50 for your 50% sign up bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Mike Petralia. And we're here with Mike Petralia, Trags. Welcome back. And what is up?
1: A great game on Saturday night. I'm still buzzing from it. I, I, the moment that stuck out stuck out to me from Saturday night was with about 90 seconds to go when all hell was breaking loose um, in the Tampa end, and the Bruins were really storming. Uh, Vasilevsky, a stick flew up in the air, I just out of the blue, one of the players' sticks, and I couldn't trace it close enough, but one of the sticks flew up in the air, and it just, to me, perfectly symbolized the chaos, the beautiful chaos that intense hockey can be. In old time Saturday night, you know, hockey night uh, in the NHL or hockey night in Canada, if you will, um, it was just electric, and it really is uh, kind of the appetizer, a, a taster of what we can expect uh, in the uh, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. I love it.
0: So, if you can tell, Trags is obviously still buzzing from that game <laughs> on Saturday night. It jumped right into it. it. A great game. Jumped right into it. Um, and why don't we jump right into it? Because, um, this was a big game. And I, I typically, I hate breaking down games on, uh, this podcast solely because it's out for an entire week. And typically, if to break down a game come Thursday of the following week, right. Nobody cares. However, right, this, was this is a very special case because, there's something there. There's something between these two teams. Um, everyone said, it's been said a thousand times, the Bruins and Lightning would be a great playoff series in the second round. And it feels like it's destined to happen. But here's why. In my view, I sat down today and I was like, okay, why are the Bruins and Lightning so good at being rivals? Why do they have real hate? What is it there? And I came to this conclusion. The Maple Leafs are pretty much out of the picture at this point. There's no... They'll they'll play the Lightning in the first round, most likely, but I would be shocked if they got to the second round. Agreed. Um, However, the Bruins and the Lightning have incredibly similar themes that make them equally... reasons why they hate each other. The Bruins and the Lightning both have aging cores... For the most part, not aging, so to speak, but a mix of younger guys and veteran guys. They both struggle with being kind of tough. You know, we saw the Lightning add Blake Coleman, Barclay Goodrow at the deadline, Pat Maroon before the season. The Bruins add Nick Ritchie. They've been criticized, as we both know, for not being tough enough. So you got not tough, uh, aging cores who need cups. Again, for the Bruins to be the second cup, for the Lightning to be the first. And they're coming off seasons with heartbreak. You know, you have the Lightning last year getting swept in the first round. You have the Bruins losing in Game 7 of the Cup Final to a team that was inferior. Nobody wants to say it. They were inferior. The Blues were not as good. And along with that, you have these teams that just want to beat each other up because they know that the road to the Cup lies through them. They know they have to get through the other guy to get to the Stanley Cup Final. Um, And, you know, again, with the salary cap, the Lightning have the perfect you know, kind of thing going on down there with their salaries, that ain't going to last forever. Same with the Bruins. You're not, you know, Pasternak at 6.8 is not going to last forever. Um, And you don't know the shelf life of Bergeron, Creechie, and so-and-so. So I think that's the reason why those two teams hate each other as much as they do.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. The, the Tampa Bay Lightning, by the way, did win a cup back in, 2004. People do forget that it was the uh, last Stanley Cup before the lockout, which eliminated the 04-05 season. Um, but uh, that was a uh, great seven-game series with Calgary. Uh, but fast forward, and yes, this group for the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, is still looking to prove itself. And the only way you prove yourself is to get deep into the playoffs. Um, Obviously, a couple of years ago, uh, they made it, but the Blackhawks beat them um, in the Stanley Cup final. But this group, uh, last year's team, was the best team in hockey. And they were mentally soft when they played Columbus. And I I wrote this on uh, Saturday night. Uh, that the, part of the desperation the Lightning played with on Saturday night was after losing that game 2-1 to the Bruins last Tuesday in Tampa. They need to show the Bruins that they are a threat, a legitimate threat come playoff time because they can't go off what happened last year. They completely crapped the bed. And I think they needed to show not only the Bruins, but more, most importantly themselves that they're capable of beating a legit team like the Bruins on the road come Stanley Cup playoff time. To me, that's what that was all about. And certainly the Lightning had a lot more to prove and they played like it, like a desperate team on Saturday night.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I also think the other thing, um, with, with, with the Lightning, you know, the big knock on them is their superstars are not good at being touched. Nikita Kucherov loses his right. mind every time he gets hit off the puck. That's why the Corrali line is so good against that line. Um, and Joe Smith wrote this for The Athletic um, about the game. He's, uh, he covers the lightning for them. He's writer, great
1: writer. yeah, Great
0: writer. Really is. Um, and he said, On Saturday at TD Garden, this was a complete different animal. It was WWE's Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, and Survivor Series all packed into one. The Lightning's 5-3 victory over the Bruins was also symbolic. If Tampa Bay goes on to win the Stanley Cup, you can bet it was one they look back on as one of their gal- galvanizing moments. Yep. This was the highly skilled Huffins of Powerhouse going into the building of the top team in the Eastern Conference and beating them in a different way at their own game. Now, I want to draw a little comparison here. I remember when I had DJ Bean on at uh, to recap the decade, I had him on a couple months ago. I remember that Uh, show. Yeah, when we were doing all that decade stuff. Um, I said, what was the game of the decade for you? And he picked a 2010-2011 game against the Atlanta Thrashers. It was December 23rd, 2010, right before the Christmas break. Uh, There was a lot of talk that the Bruins weren't tough enough. Claude might be fired soon. Um, There was a lot of tension in the locker room. I think there, Savard and Krejci got into it, or there was something with one of them. The, the centers got into it, and the team looked like the wheels were really falling off. And the Bruins go out against the Thrashers, beat them, and have that infamous line brawl where Andrew Ference grabs, uh, I can't remember his name, grabs someone on the Thrashers from after he hits Lucic up high, and it started this whole brawl, and, and, and there were a bunch of brawls in the game. And the team has said since it brought them together. And there's a weird chance that that might have happened for the Lightning the other night, that they had one of those moments where if they win the Cup, they look back on that game and say, damn, that was the game we came together and showed we were tough and paved the way to the Stanley Cup.
1: You you know what I look back on on Saturday night also? um, Another important moment, uh, certainly for the Lightning, if uh, things turn out well for the Lightning, then you can write this in retrospect. But – it looked for all the world that Brad Marchand and of all people, uh, and some other Bruins were trying to get under the skin of the lightning going off the ice in the second, uh, after, into the second intermission. And it had to do with, you know, what happened, uh, you know, Sedano Chara getting hit in the back and cross-checked and, uh, obviously Sean Corrale coming to his defense, but, um, The Bruins appeared to think that they were under the skin of the Lightning, and Marshan took a slash. The Lightning scored a power play goal on that, and it seemed to uh, reinvigorate the Lightning heading into the third period when the Bruins had made their run to get back into the game, make it a 3-2 game after two periods. And I just thought it was interesting that the Bruins were trying to instigate the Lightning. And I think the lightning finally woke up when that happened.
0: Yeah, totally. And I also think the Bruins know they're good at getting the lightning kind of off their game. Um, Again, as I said before, I mean, the lightning are not a mentally tough team. They're not known as that, at least this core isn't. And I think, you know, the other night kind of showed signs of it, and they showed signs that, you know, they're getting tougher. And, you know, it's guys like Pat Maroon rubbing off in the dressing room, and and Barclay Goodrow's a big guy. I mean, him and Chris Wagner went in the first period. Great fight by Wagner, by the way. Um, And, and good to see a guy like Wagner. Uh, a TKO.
1: He landed two headshots.
0: No, yeah, and great to see a guy like Wagner stand up for, you know, his teammate Kasha, who we'll get to in a second Um, right after that. Um, also, one thing to stay on the Lightning for two seconds. Um, what's funny to me, the Lightning have kind of become the new Maple Leafs for the Bruins. Uh, the Maple Leafs and the Bruins always have that, have had that rivalry the past few years. They met in the playoffs. The regular season games were nuts. Now it feels like it switched to the Lightning, and that's partially because of the points. But I also think it's because the teams, as I said earlier, have the same goal. You know, the, the the Maple Leafs were always a team that was young, looking to get experience. You know, the Bruins were kind of a measuring stick for them. I got the Lightning who are looking to do the same thing the Bruins are. So um, that can't be overlooked. Speaking of Kasha, I want to kind of touch on this. uh, And this isn't anything to do with an article. Um, This was a tweet. Joe Haggerty put this out on March 8th. So he put this out Sunday, this last week. He said, I'll preface this by saying Andre Kasha has been pretty good in the games he's played since arriving in Boston, but he's also got one assist in five games. He looks like a solid third liner on a good NHL team. Once again, the fancy stats crew have overstated their case with this guy. So um, there's a <laughs> okay. lot to, there's a lot to pick from this. There's a lot of things I disagree with. Okay, let me we'll pull s-
1: this tweet up.
0: We'll Go, start keep with, talking. We'll start with uh, first of all, the fancy stat stuff. Kasha's been fine thus far. The eye test? he's been fine. I mean, he's looked fine next to Krejci. again. Good things take time. He's not going to come in from the West Coast and immediately make this huge impact because, you know, his game is skill-based. He needs a little time to get chemistry going with Krejci. I also want to point this out. Charlie Coyle had zero points in his first seven games last year, and he had two points in his first 13 games after being acquired from Minnesota. That's worked out pretty well. (laughs) He's worked out all right. Marcus Johansson, he was hurt in March last year after like five games, I think. Three points in his 10 regular season games with Boston. I mean, things take time. No one expected Kasha, who's coming off injury and coming from the West Coast to come in here and score three goals uh, in a certain amount of time. Now, ironically enough, I think Danton Heinen has three goals in seven games with Anaheim. I mean, the guy's thriving, and God bless him. But again, it takes – sometimes it takes time. It's not always a perfect fit. Um, And again, the eye test – The the advanced stats, I don't think, I don't think Kasha's ranking too high on the Bruins right now in Corsi 4 and stuff like that. I'd have to go check it. I checked it earlier and he wasn't near the top in any of those like top categories at 5 on 5 when I looked at his rates relative to everybody else. Um, but he's been, I think he's been good. I think he's been fine. I mean, he hasn't been obviously a superstar, but again, it's been five games, Hags. Five games.
1: Yeah, and and I, I see both points, but it's going to take, it it opted, Absolutely takes time. The other thing I would note, he's 24. And if you acquire a piece like that and you think he can be a core piece going forward and he does have another year, correct, on his contract? I don't have his uh, he contract. He does, he does, he does. And, he does. Yes. So, I mean, there are a couple of reasons why the Bruins would go out and get a guy like that. And um, obviously, he was a part of the uh, salary dump with David Backus uh, because that that was the trade that happened on the Friday before the deadline, not the the other trade that happened on Monday. Correct. Yeah. So um, I would tell you that there's a lot of reasons to stick with Andre Kasha because he's probably, um, and I don't think this is going out on a limb, he's the more skilled guy between he and Nick Ritchie.
0: Oh, right? God, yes. Right. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. It's and and you
1: see where I'm going with this. You invest in a skilled player like that because you think you can build around him or give make him uh, a, a complimentary piece. I think with Nick Ritchie, it was a totally different ball of wax. The Bruins were looking to get a big guy, net front, uh, net front presence, um, who could throw his body around a little bit and and keep your fingers crossed that he doesn't take a bad penalty at a bad time. Uh, come the playoffs hey can we move to something else
0: yes what do you want to talk about oh
1: my pet peeve playing games in empty arenas now oh
0: so this was my next point this was actually I- next on my list I'm so glad you brought this up oh. um so we'll spend the rest of the podcast talking about this because Thank you. I-, I was I was going to intro this saying this um Coronavirus is everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. We're recording this on Monday. There's already been a hundred updates. There's, I think, 600 cases in the United States. A bunch of my friends who are studying abroad in Florence, Italy have gotten sent home. Three different colleges have gone to online stuff. There's rumors that, like, a lot of other schools are going to do the same if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Um, so, yeah. so there's a lot going on with this stuff. And I, and I, Obviously, I like that this podcast is sort of a break from all the politics in the world and sort of the, uh, the the hubbub of everything, the economy, you know, Democrats, Republicans, the 2020 election, we all have our opinions. We like to kind of keep this free of it. However, when it's going to impact sports, we have to talk about it. And I think it was Saturday, I, think, I believe it was Elliot Friedman tweeted out that the NHL yes. was planning on uh, barring reporters from locker rooms other leagues were about to do the same. It's broken in the last hour that the NBA and the MLB have both mandated that reporters uh, maintain like a certain diff- distance. They don't go in the locker room. Um, the NHL, the Bruins, I don't believe, have complied yet, Trag, because you were there Saturday night, and they let you in the locker room, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yes, and I believe they've been doing the same at practice. I'm not 100% sure. I feel like I would have seen that today if they did. Um, Gary Bettman's talked about it. Uh, The New York Post two days ago said the Rangers and the Islanders have closed locker rooms amid uh, the coronavirus stuff. Obviously, it's much bigger in New York. Um, So the other, the real fear um, is that they play games in front of an empty arena. That the Stanley Cup final would be in front of nobody. That, that,
1: uh, you don't do that. There is, I'm telling you, and maybe I'm totally wrong. 0.0% chance NHL or NBA owners will sign off on that. There is
0: no zero. way you do that. No chance. Zero. Not because a chance. If
1: you think, and I had people come at me so hard on Twitter after essentially I tweeted that out, um, Friday night from the Celtics Utah Jazz game. I'm like, Why, why bother? Cancel the games. If you're going, if you're that concerned about the coronavirus, cancel the games. Well, you don't, clearly, uh, you know, I'm shocked that a sports journalist doesn't understand the CBA. Dude, this is bigger than the CBA. Either you, you feel like people can go out for a night of entertainment and free from all of this just absolute panic and hysteria and enjoy a night of sports entertainment basketball playoffs uh march madness or the stanley cup playoffs or you don't there's no in between playing these games in front of empty arenas is ridiculous and i'll add people have said well they're doing it in europe no they're not the, those tournaments those games in europe uh, don't have the same impact financially that these games in the United States do but the thing i would tell keith to everybody else in the nba you're not the owners will not ever 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 go along with having playoff games in empty buildings that's just Also not
0: are we forgetting Jeremy Jacobs owns Delaware North which is Cor- concessions correct. money he would lose all his money i mean not all of his money but you know what i mean um i don't think it's going to happen i just but, don't think it's going to happen. And how weird would that be if we were covering Anybody, a Stanley Cup final game? You wouldn't be covering it. Nobody stands. Cover- go, the- go back. Go back.
1: You wouldn't be covering it. Nobody would be in the building. You don't think? Essential staff. That's it. Can you imagine? What about broadcast? They'd have to broadcast the games. They'd have to broadcast the games, but that's it. The media wouldn't be allowed in.
0: But if the play-by-play guy's there, you have to have other journalists there. What's the difference?
1: No, no, no you don't. They can set the rules. They can limit complete exposure. But the whole, my point is, okay, Evan, that environment that we spent the first 10 minutes of this podcast talking about is gone. If you don't, if you eliminate the people from the building, there's no, can you imagine that game the other night and somebody scores a goal? What do they do? Blow a horn in an empty building? It's
0: like, come on. No. No. I totally agree. No, I don't want I don't want the fans – I don't want the stands empty. The stands empty would suck. It would take all the fun out of the game, every part of it. Like, a game could be as great as Saturday night, but if there's no fans in the stands, do you know how weird that would be? Has anyone – go back to everyone listening. Go back and look up on YouTube the game played between the White Sox and the Orioles in an empty stadium back in 20, April of 2015. I think there were Baltimore riots going on. And the MLB said it's a safety hazard to have fans come, but we'll let the game be played. And it is so weird. You can hear on the White Sox broadcast, you can hear the Orioles announcers calling the game. You can hear people in the left field stands, like workers talking. I mean, it is unbelievable uh, what's going on. And the other thing that I'm really sad about is if they restrict locker room access. Now, we'll still get players at podiums and stuff like that at the very least. So Whatever. But it does impact the ability to do our jobs and it restricts access. I mean, number one, you know, when you're, it it impacts practice a lot more because that's when you can kind of get those one on ones. That's when you can kind of pull guys aside at their lockers and things like that. If you have to have guys come to the podium at practice, everyone's getting the same stuff. I mean, you as the consumers love unique content and features and stuff like that. Like I have some stuff coming down the pipeline. Trags, obviously you're very familiar with doing features. I don't have to explain that to you. Um, but, that's what gets you unique content. That's what makes the athletic, the athletic and the Herald, the Herald and CLNS, CLNS. Everyone's got something different because you get to talk to different people and have different conversations. If everybody's having the same stuff and oppressor, you're getting the same stuff and it kind of hurts everything. And so um, to hear that locker room access might be restricted for a certain, I mean, it's not going to be forever, obviously, but especially during this part of the year where you're getting the best sound, the best stuff, it's the most intense part of the season. And obviously the playoffs as well. it doesn't help at all. And so that's why this stuff does really worry me. Um, and I think in Italy, they're doing stuff with fans, in, not in the stands. Um, and they're starting all these things. Um, and so, yeah, I, it – Well, it, the whole it, point, if, you, if you're doing – like, well,
1: have fans in a uh, – uh, at, at some fan fest. Well, you're still putting – exposing people in tight quarters. That makes no sense. Either, you, either you're – as a society – Completely going to shut down and shut down everything or you're not. There is no in between here. And I, this is a soapbox for me and I get that. And I, and I understand people like Trags needs to reel it in because he's not being realistic. But my point, my simple point is this. Either you think that you're at a point in society where you think it's safe to hold the games or you don't. There's no in-between. You don't play these games in empty buildings. That's my, Correct. my only point. The thing about locker room access, uh, technically, Evan, is you could have these players on cell phones. And if you, if, uh, let's say a reporter wanted to call up a player or what, the, they, the team could technically facilitate that if they wanted to do that. And a reporter could get access that way. Um, uh, if you're talking about strictly features, um, And again, if if you're going to hold the games and in these empty buildings, you're not going to get any reaction from anybody because uh, the players are, are in theory, going to be restricted from interacting with anybody.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, obviously, public relations will find a way for us to get access, you know, but again, not. I mean, no, 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 that was my next point or not, or they'll find, I mean, again, this restricts access and it's an easy way to get out of giving us access, which is really sad. I mean, it, the problem with the coronavirus right now is nobody really knows anything about it. Um, n- nobody really knows how to treat it. Everyone's thinking worst case scenario. So it's at this point now where everyone's kind of just panicking and people are making impulsive decisions. I get why it's a scary time, um, but again, don't play the games in an empty arena, please don't I mean tracks think of the great moments in sports well think uh, if that happened in my, a empty my, arena
1: my whole point is if this is that serious not to play the to restrict the fans from going, then it's serious enough not to play the games well you're, you you'd have it on television nobody's going to watch that and imagine watching those games on TV and having no crowd, no atmosphere no nothing couldn't do it. It, you're Couldn't watching. It. You're watching scrimmages at that point.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you're like, think of Tory Krug's hit on Robert Thomas last year, helmet off, and there's just right. no reaction to it. It's just like whatever. I mean, it. It is. It's so sad to think of. It really is. Um, and hearing the 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 news about restricting the locker room access sucked, and then the fact that we're hearing this stuff about um, uh. About the NHL, you know, potentially, maybe fans being in the stands or not um, is even worse. But Trags, I uh, we we've ranted all we we've had to today. We've talked, we've covered every base, um, and I want to let you go. Uh, before you go, is there anything you'd like to plug?
1: Uh, just the normal Evan uh, Patriots beat drops every uh, Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. now daylight savings time. I might add. Um, and uh, we'll be talking with Ryan Hannibal of uh this week about all things Tom Brady and the collective bargaining agreement and whether or not that will have any impact. That'll be on the CLNS media network. Again, drops 9 a.m. Wednesday morning, 24 hours or thereabouts. This brilliant podcast drops.
0: Thank you so much, Treggs. And thanks for coming on and, Doing what we always do. We always have a good time, me and you.
1: Um, We we got fired up this one.
0: We did. I'm glad that got brought up. It's fun to get fired up about stuff and take some shots and things like that. Uh, But anyways, Trikes, thank you so much for joining. Uh, And for CLS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners, stay safe, be healthy, and have a great rest of your week.